conceded. No, no. I, I've never been. You know, I don't believe in stuff like that. I hope don't nobody mistake me. I, I, I hope don't make that. I'm not, you, you're, I'm not conceded. I'm convinced. Sublime Podcast. This is your host, Mr. Haberdashri, aka Aeolus White, aka Skirt Steak. How are y'all doing? I hope everybody is doing well, living it up, enjoying, or not even enjoying, just surviving and finding peace and finding health and finding, you know, smiles and happiness and light throughout all of this. Um, this is week 158 of the of the of the pandemic of the lockdown in New York City. Um, I'm bullshit 158, but it definitely feels like forever. I want to say it's been two months, two months and a week at this point. But yeah, I mean, I hope that everyone has health and those that have struggled with that has um have um recovered adequately or just to the best of your you know fortunes and all that and those that have the misfortune of having to grieve my heart is with you all um um this week has kind of been crazy on black twitter I'll just say that, and I, you know, can't even pretend to recap. I can't even pretend to know what the young girls are doing. All I can say is I woke up today to see only clans trending, and my heart, first of all, the number, the sheer number of comedians on Twitter, particularly black Twitter, is overwhelming. I don't understand why people are so funny. I wish I was this funny. Um, That shit had me on the floor. I thought I was actually going to pass out. Um, For those that don't know what I'm referring to, Doja Cat, who had the number one record last week with um, Nicki was caught on allegedly racist chat rooms with white people and like show stripping for them and saying or articulating like anti-black things. I, you know, it's weird because I don't actually know the tea. And none of us know the tea. I looked for videos I haven't heard. I didn't find any of her saying that kind of shit. But it's just really weird anti-black self-hating bullshit. And, you know, black Twitter got in her ass. They got in her ass, but they did it in a humorous way. I I lived. I lived. So um, even though I know how just, you know, mercurial that whole environment is. Like, one minute they love you, one minute they hate you. And it's one of the things that I actually... You know, if I ever become or when we gonna speak that into existence, you know, when my art and my craft and my perspective sort of gain a larger audience, you know, I hope that nobody comes for me. But you know, if they do come for me, y'all don't know. My black ass ain't never typing one of those uh, apology shits. Just know, just know now. 
that if I say, if y'all dig up some tweets from, two, that first of all, trust me, if you dig up some tweets from 2011, from 2010, I mean, I've been on Twitter for 10 years. Um, I'm sure there's some shit, and I'm not sorry. So just know, I'm not sorry, that, that Madonna song, I'm not sorry. I'm not. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to exhaust my, my knuckles, you know, put my thumb to the, to, the, to, the, to the fiberglass to pretend like I'm sorry for some shit. Like, I remember I saw them do that to Lil Nas X. I mean, they do it to anybody who has a number one record, especially if you're black. Especially if you're black, they dig up shit that you, you know, tweeted. Y'all can dig up my shit. Pause. You know, y'all can dig up my shit. I will not give a fuck. I won't. I promise. And for those who know me, you know that's true. Like, in your heart of hearts, you know. Um, but kind of speaking indirectly of only fans, of only clans or whatever. Only clans is so goddamn funny. But only fans, like... There was Doja Cat, and then there was Safari's OnlyFans. And, like, I clicked on it, of course, because it was free. Not the OnlyFans, but the um, clips on Twitter. Shout out to Twitter for posting his nudes. And I guess I don't really know what to say. I mean... Um... Like, on one hand... You know, I'm you know I'm a big you know supporter of sex work. So on one hand, Safari becoming a sex worker is fine, you know, because we love sex workers here. But the other hand, it's like you really, I don't know. Like if he want, I, I kind of want to be shady and say he has nothing else to offer. But that's I mean that's not necessarily true. I know a brilliant sex workers that would and could be doing other things that are just not. I know sex workers that are doing other things as well, but enjoy it. So it's not the case that he has nothing else to offer, but it just feels like, I think it feels like, I don't know. It's just like you go from dating, you know, Nikki and you know, claiming to write her records and wanting to be a rapper and claiming to have all this talent yourself and wanting this career to getting your nudes, your nudes leaked. And I mean, I suppose it's right. you like, you take advantage of the notoriety and it's intelligent, but it just feels like you really don't want to be doing... It feels like... I guess for me, it reads as just desperation. And it's not... But again, I'm sure he likes jerking off. And I'm sure he... I mean, the nut's the nut. And he, he likes the attention. That's Safari has always liked attention. So... I suppose having an OnlyFans makes sense. And he's charging $20. So, I mean... $20 a month from, I mean, if he gets a thousand subscribers, which I'm sure he's going to get more than that, I mean, that's $20,000.
a month. So it makes sense. Like, you know, even on the OnlyFans point, again, there was this video or Dallas Wade or AKA Flashman Wade, whatever, was featured on um, old girls, a black China show for about sex workers, and he was saying he makes upwards of twenty, upwards of a hundred k a month on OnlyFans. And I know sex workers that are making fifty or sixty thousand dollars on OnlyFans. I mean, it's really not that hard to get to that number. You know, when you think about the follower count of the average sex worker, I mean, the average sex worker slash model slash whatever is easily on Instagram is easily like sixty thousand dollars sixty thousand followers. Six thousand followers I mean there are people that just have that have five hundred thousand followers and they are posting just like fitness quote unquote um you know pictures. So if you have you know if you have 500,000 followers and you convert 10% of them to OnlyFans, you're at $50,000, right? And then if, you know, you get them to pay you $10, you're back at, you're at $500,000 a month. Granted, no one's, I think that 10% conversion rate is high. It's probably much, much less. But if you get any fraction of that, any any impress any single digit fraction of that and get them to pay you $10 a month like you're doing pretty motherfucking good. And I hope my math is right cuz I just I didn't even think of that. I just kind of got went through it so shall, if it's wrong whatever blame the veggie juices. It's just like yeah, you know, it's just I don't really see I it's a come up. It's a bad you know, so shout out to Sapphire, shout out to Dallas Wade. But in his post, he, and I guess this is a nice segue to getting to the shits. I did have more like shit to talk, but I guess I'll just, I don't know, weave it in. I don't know. But this kind of gets to the first topic of this week, which is really for the gays. It's really for the gays, but it relates to issues in the black community it relates to issues in the afro-indigenous community it relates to many issues you know like he was defending himself against attacks on his about his sexuality because a lot of his most of his the lion's share of his um subscription subscriber base are gay men or is gay man. And as a straight man, there are obviously questions about that because it's not just that he's, um, that he has a, a straight or a gay subscriber base. It's that he's also like parting his ass and showing his asshole and moving his dick and jerking off and like, you know, nutting for, nutting for men, you know? And, a lot of people, straight people, are doubting his sexuality as a result. There are two conversations to be had, but I think one of I think I'll just touch on 
the most important one to me. I'll I'll lightly touch on the first one and then go to the most important one. The first one is this concept of straight male sexuality is kind of a mess. You know, it's kind of a mess. But honestly, I'm one of the girls that's like, yo, you're not on my... Like I've said this last podcast, there's enough straight people to figure out their own problems. There's enough straight people to get to the bottom of their bullshit. You know, if y- if anything touching your ass or playing with your asshole makes you feel gay, they, like that's a whole problem set of shit that I just don't even care to to touch so it's whatever but just know that it's crazy and know that um you probably have would have a better and more enriching sexual experience if you de if you disabused yourself from a lot of this bullshit right but that's not my business i don't give a fuck the problem, the bigger problem that I have is that we as a gay community, we're making the straight nigga rich. He is, if, if, if he can, if there's no seasonality to his income, he is a millionaire off of gay dollars. We are making a fucking straight man a millionaire by showing his ass. And we would never do the same for our own. And that's my problem. Like, it would be one thing if we if we didn't have... One of my friends said straight philia to the other day, and I really like that term. Shout out to him. I don't, I'm not shouting it out by name. I, you know, I need to get to the bottom of that. I'm going to ask my friends, can I shout them out by name? Because I, like, shout them out in theory all the time. But I, I shout them, it's like a love, like, they know it's them. But I don't want to say their names for privacy situations and all that. But, yeah, it's a straight philia. We love straight or straight passing men, you know, and we even when we say we don't, we do. And like when I look at people, their social media presence, I will see them deepen their voices. And, you know, I for me, like my personal voice, so I, I try not to I try not to condemn other people for changing the picture of their voice because my voice changes like the way that i the way that i express myself i go really really high as you motherfuckers probably know i go really really high and i don't say i go to like bass notes but i'll say that i do sometimes deepen my voice and like you know i just do it based on where i'm at in the sentence how much breath i have in my lungs like it's really not that deep for me but regardless i'll see people be very, you know, stoic on camera. You know, don't move their head, don't move their hands. Be careful not to gesture. Be intentional about not gesturing. And then I will meet them in real life and they're one of the girls. You know, hands flapping, neck rolling, and his tongue, you know, all of that. But... They are aware that to craft a desirable image, especially toward our own community, it benefits you to present as straight. Or it benefits you to highlight or exaggerate those conventionally, stereotypically masculine traits. And this is before, this is just a regular presentation. This is not talking about the deeper issues or the, the, the sort of countercultural ones. One, being in porn. 
you know, there's always that, like, the marketing or the language around a lot of gay porn is, like, you know, straight man does this. Like, sleeping with straight men. I got sucked. I got fucked by a straight man. Straight man bottoms. Like, this language of this straight man, like, being turned out or being, like, I don't know, being all of a sudden accessible to us. And I think the problem with that is that, you know, I'm one of those, I am one of those motherfuckers that believe in like a Pavlov dog type of shit. I think that when you jerk off, like when you jerk off and when you nut and when you are nut and you're watching something, like you are training yourself to be aroused by that thing. You know, I think that the the the, the moments leading up to nut nutting and like just the pre-nut and all of that is your body and your mind at its most at its most available for programming you know because you your arousal's very 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 high and your attention is heightened as a result and we know that your learning is best when your attention is high and your arousal states are high. Like we know that that affects learning. So at so you're all this is going on brain chemistry wise and then you're looking at some body who's like a straight man or you know embodying a certain type of masculinity and then you absorb that shit. And it happens like I think like you know it's part of the culture and I've said this in the past like I try to every once in a while when I feel like I am too too wrapped up in this I try to just completely rinse my visual field like no porn at least no porn that features like muscular bodies or you know bodies that I don't encounter on a regular basis on the real world in the real world you know, or like cleanse my Instagram, no more hoes, no more fitness motherfuckers. Just like try to cleanse that whole thing so that I can just return to, so that my arousal and attention and just all of that shit, I can return to a level that's normal. You know what I'm saying? And it's, not just fucked up. It's not just like, you know, it's, there's so many problems with it. There's the patriarchy, the, the propagation, or maybe I shouldn't say that, like propagandizing rather is probably the word, or like just really brainwashing and pushing that patriarchal agenda. The same masculinity that says that we are not enough, that says that we are not part of it, that excludes us. We are advancing their cause. One. Two, there's like a real economic blowback. The fact that we the fact that we have more feminine I'm I am talking about men here, but there is a conversation to be had about masculinity in the lesbian community. I've talked about this in the past, about studs and AGs and just the rules around that and the role masculinity plays and patriarchy plays even amongst women, right? Um, or queer women. But, you know, either way, male or female and the, you know, queer, 
world or non-binary um in the queer world we even almost especially non-binary we don't give ourselves a hundred plus thousand dollars a month you know we don't give ourselves that But we hand it over to the straights. What's happening to us, their black, queer youth of all gender identities fighting homelessness. If they knew all they had to do was use their phones for an OnlyFans to get to become a millionaire, you think they wouldn't do it? Their sex workers engaging in riskier types of business. You know... Because that's all they feel like will give them consistent income. Because the demand for our bodies isn't there. And the sad part is, you know, not even the sad part, but one of the fucked up parts is that you, the people that do demand our bodies are the girls that you would think are straight. Are the girls, you know, that have a really problematic relationship with their sexualities and and that might react violently, like the ones that really have a problem, (laughs) you know, the ones that would, that's nut and then want to kill you or nut and then want to be violent so you are nut and then want to hurt themselves for having been attracted to you. Those are the ones that you can get their attention and that, you know, creep at, at late at night and, you know, at 3 a.m. they love you. But everybody else is just fine with giving these straight niggas money while we are, you know, having a slew of issues. Whether it's access to um, HIV medication, access to, you know, prophylaxis or, like, you know, PrEP, pre-exposure or even post-exposure. How much money? Like y'all, like it's funny because PEP in New York, there's some ways that you can get things funded, but post exposure prophylaxis is one of those things that we don't like to talk about. But there are places where you cannot get that for free. You cannot get that at an affordable cost. You you know I've had situations like I've had a situation once in my life where I was on. PEP or, you know, post-exposure. And it cost my insurer $3,000. Because you have to go to the ER, you've got to do... And the medication itself is expensive. And it's like, if I didn't have insurance at that time, if I didn't have... I had, like, the best insurance one could have. I mean, I had, you know, corporate finance insurance. So the girls were Blue Cross Blue Shield. It was, you know, the highest tranche. It was cute. So I don't remember coming... I came out of pocket maybe $150. I, I paid $100 for the ER visit, and then I paid, like, $100 for both of the medications in total. But, like, can you imagine... And the the rules of post-exposure is that, like, you know, you can only, you have to take it within 72 hours. So you can't even scrounge to get that money. Can you imagine the girls that are actually this poor, but there's a straight nigga using gay dollars and getting, is a millionaire? 
Meanwhile, there's uh, the, the, uh, the, there's those of us that are that are scrounging. It's just crazy. It's crazy, and we do that. Sh Black people do that shit. Alita, we do that shit, and it kind of relates to this larger topic that I'm working on. Um, writing, and it's not even that serious of an essay, but I am working on it about, um, you know, straight actors and gay roles and all of the problems with it, you know, that, and I'll, and I'll probably get into that with more depth in the future, but it just reminds me of the same conversation because there are psychological effects, there are sociological effects, there are economic impacts you know it would be one thing if everybody were treated equally then i probably wouldn't care the sexual orientation of the performer and sex work or not right because you should be able to suck dick show your ass show any parts of your body that you want and be protected and make a living and it would i wouldn't want to take opportunity away but when certain bodies are pathologically valued over others, just based on identity traits, like not even based on, you know, I mean, you can, it, it's literally the case that you could have two, two men that look exactly the same. But you find out that you find out that one is a little feminine and he will not be rank, paid as the same. Paid us highly. There are comments when you watch, you know, I mean, there are people that say things like, oh, let's say you have a, a porn performer that, um, that performs as a top. And then you find out that he's bottomed in real life. People make nasty comments. There was a porn star way back. Oh, Lord, I don't know how long ago this was. It was a long time ago. But his name is, well, his porn star name, I believe it was Fat Daddy or something. He was just like, I'm going to say he was Puerto Rican. I'm not really sure. But he was Afro-Latino. He, Afro-Indigenous. And, you know, whatever. Had a big dick, whatever. So he performed as a top. And then he did one video where he bottoms, and because he, he got paid a lot of money for it, they you know, and he is a this is a business, and there were people calling for his retirement. There were fans, quote unquote, leaving him nasty messages, calling him all types of names because he bottoms for pay. This like misogyny, or you know anti-femininity that has real commercial impacts in our excuse me in our community has to stop it has to stop um what I actually wanted to talk about though this episode <laughs> of course right of course of course of course of course you know that just reminds me of glitter. Mariah, Kenley, Mariah Carey finally put glitter on the on the um, streaming services, the DSPs, and let me tell you, 
There are two songs on two songs that really bring out the full cunt in me. I mean, the high femme, highest femme, full, juicy, swollen cunt in me. Okay? One of them is Loverboy. Okay? <laughs> From Good. That shit, when Loverboy comes on, it just, I just, my hair grows to like crazy lengths and my titties drop and I just, twirl in my heart I mean it's just it just brings out the whore that it brings out the high femme whore and I'm very very happy that she did that granted I already have the album I have that I bought it a long time ago and I have so I I was not I always had my high femme moment I always had access to my swollen cunts but I feel like it just really gave me that. It really gave me that. And I'm just thankful. I'm thankful. The other song, um, in case anybody's curious, is a Sylvia Striplin song. I believe it's called Give Me Your Love. Um, when that song comes on, I just want y'all to know. I'm liable to like suck some dick. Strange dick. And you know I don't suck strange dick. Shout out to Reese Witherspoon for that lesson. Um, and if you know that reference, you know the reference. Oh, all right. Yeah, so what I was wanted to talk about before I got distracted by, like, madness, by my own madness. Oof. So I've been seeing something throughout the pandemic that has really been bothering me. Really, really severely, like, seriously getting on my goddamn nerves. And what it is, is, you know, I've seen a couple memes that say, well, the initial meme was, remember who texted you or who hit you up during the pandemic and who didn't. Then I see a lot of backlash, like, no, like, nobody owes you nothing. Nobody owes you um, to check up on you. They're navigating trauma on their own. They have self-cares as a priority, family care as a priority. So don't be out here punishing people, making everything about you like that narcissism, blah, blah, blah. And you know, you motherfuckers are stupid. I mean, I shouldn't say that. Okay, here's what I should say. Yes, it's true that nobody owes you anything. Yes, it's true that everybody is navigating their own trauma. Yes, it's true that this has been taxing on every level, emotionally, financially, physically. And yes, it's true that self-care is, should be one's priority because if you have nothing, then you have nothing to give other people. However... There is something special about people that in their darkest hour still think of you. It is something, there is something special about people that when they have nothing still scrounge up something to share. Or to, you know, they have nothing economic or financial so they send words of encouragement. There is something special about those, about that. 
There is something special about people that when you cross their mind, they act on their they act on you having crossed their mind and they just send a flare. There is something special about that. It's like, you know, I talk to my grandmother, the first thing out of her mouth is how you. Meanwhile, she's, I mean, not to be crude, but she's approaching death. I mean, every day she gets older, you know, every day things get a little difficult, a little more difficult. How am I, bitch? How are you? You the one that has, you are older in a, in a time where you are in a vulnerable population with the pandemic that kills people in your age. And the first thing out of your mouth is, how am I? But that is how they are. That is how, but that is how people who love you, I shouldn't say people who love you, but that is the kind of love that I think a lot of us recognize. You know, our elders caring for us in that way. And there's, there's something special and honorable about that. And there is nothing wrong with feeling special and wanting to honor that. When somebody makes you feel special, when does an act of kindness, even if it's just a, a wink emoji, a wave emoji, there is nothing wrong with feeling special and then wanting to match that energy. And yes, I'm not saying you should punish people, but I was talking to a friend earlier and she said something wise and I'm actually going to kind of push it a little farther. But she was saying that, you know, people act like there's a zero sum world where you either punish or, you know, you either you can't possibly do both. You can't honor those that made you feel special in a time of need and, you know, and not punish people that were too overwhelmed with their own pain to look to think past it. You can do both. You can add, you can look on the person who was overwhelmed who might not have texted you with kindness and, and empathy and sympathy and say, I understand I wasn't expecting it. However, the people that did think of you, you might want to match that energy and continue to pour into that relationship. And here's the tea. It might look the same to somebody who, would, who lacks nuance and who lacks perspective. That you are, you know, because you're giving your energy more to the people that reach out to you, it might look like you're punishing them. But it's within your right to be with people that make you feel special. It is 100% in your right to do that. It is your right. If you choose to say, you know what? I love everyone. But right now, I just want to be with people that, are, that have demonstrated an ability to make me feel special and make me feel good. And to love me in that way. That is within your right. It is crazy that we would make somebody who wants to build a circle full of people that love it. That love on them generously. And that love on them without circumstance. And that love on them, you know, that the act of loving isn't, isn't depleting their energy. The act of loving comes from abundance. Like it is crazy that we want, that we don't. That we're trying to guilt people out of feeling that way. And, you know, I think there are a couple, I think, you know, 
There are a couple issues. One, this is an example of a zero-sum capitalism that has trickled into our emotional economics. You know, our, our, our emotional economy. It's not zero-sum. Capitalism does not apply here. You can love in abundance. There's an abundance of things. You can do both. You have the range to say, hey, like... I have nothing but gratitude for your love and friendship. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for continuing to be who you are. And those who hit me up, those who managed to give me a little sunshine or whatever the fuck we're going to use, whatever trite metaphor we're going to use. I want to, you've inspired me to and to deepen to, to deepen our relationship. You've inspired me to enrich the relationships of those closest to me. That's what it's supposed that's what it's supposed to be. We all are learning and developing our art, our own crafts of loving. We're, we're, we're developing our personal method of loving on other people and loving other people. And sometimes you are with somebody romantically or not, friendship. Even there's somebody that sometimes you'll be at a bar and talk to somebody and they'll tell you something romantic that they did for their partner. And you're like, oh shit, I'm stealing that one. Because that's a, that's a way of loving that I haven't accessed yet. Thank you. And when someone reaches out to me, as when this personally, when people reach out to me that I did not expect, I'm like, oh shit, look how easy it is to just text. Sometimes I think it's harder than it is, you know, and there are people that I don't talk to or, you know, that I haven't spoken to because I think getting a text from me is weird. I mean, and I don't really think this way, but there are times that I am like that the boundary, like I had a situation Today, where I had to apologize for something that was really, really slight. And when I was in the shower thinking about apologizing, I was like, oh, now it's going to be a big drama. It was like, bitch, no, you don't have to be. Just send the text saying that you realize it and you're bad. You know, just let it go. Let it rock. And I feel like a lot of people, including myself, feel like it's going to be a big drama. So, like, you know... I guess let me go back. So capitalism is is one of the things. That sort of way that capitalism has trickled down. The second thing is we have this really, really strange... I appreciate the focus on mental health. I appreciate the focus on mental health. I appreciate the access and the vocabulary and language that... Cognitive behavioral therapy and all of its cousins have given us, particularly as black people, because we have not had access to this language. Um, and I have some issues with therapy. Um, I should say that I have issues with certain types of therapy. There are more somatic forms of therapy, right? There are forms that don't entail the intellectualization or the narrative, the constant narrative formation about your emotions. And I personally like have a problem with it, but I mean, not a problem with it, but 
I don't know. Like, I guess what I should say is there are many different levels. The more you go to therapy and the more experience you have with therapy, the more nuanced your opinion can be. I'm not against therapy in any way, but I think that, you know, I basically have a master's degree in therapy at this point. You know, I've been in therapy off and on for a lot of my life. So it's kind of like I have had different experiences. I, I have a large, you know, sample size to draw some inferences from. Like, I'm good. But... What I'll say is, you know, this self-care bullshit, this mental health bullshit, this language, this therapy language. I've said this to people that I've been dating. Keep that shit between you and your therapist. Don't bring it to me. You know, a lot of times people like to take that out of therapy. Like, oh, this makes me feel safe. You're not making like me like this language of, you know, this language that magnifies our own fragility that makes us focus on our own fragility and that makes other people have to take care of our own fragility. And that's not the way it's supposed to work. Your session is supposed to give you tools to navigate the world, to navigate your internal and and the external world. And you're supposed to be the master of your ship. It's supposed to help you in some instances hold, hold people accountable if you have an issue with that. But it's not to just hand over the reins to other people. It's not to become a narcissist either. You know, the weight of your fragility should be bared by you and you alone. People that choose to care for you, people that choose to, you know, take on a caretaking role in your life, or if you weave in caretaking as a crucial responsibility with your friends and your family and your lover, that's that's on you. And it's on them if they willingly agree. But that's not the standard for the world. And I feel like a lot of people get it fucked up. A lot of people get this this fucked up. They think that everybody's in a group in a group session with them, and that we all this is like alcohol anonymous, and we all have this like responsibility to to acknowledge the weight of your fragility. That's not the, that's not the tea. You are supposed to acknowledge your fragility your your fragility so that you can fortify yourself. And then you can fortify yourself in an authentic way, a way that does not cut parts of you off. Like a lot of times when we fortify ourselves, when we heart, when we strengthen, we think strengthen is hardened. No. It's not calcify, it's not amputate. A lot of times we cut parts of ourselves off. No. Therapy is supposed to help you solve those problems and help you to help you. If you're thinking at it from a CBT standpoint, to develop behaviors and practices that are nutritive that are that are good for you that are healthy you know that are functional socially and reduce emotional distress but this idea that all of us have to like you know that i should suffer because you don't understand self-care or that because you have this precarious psychological state, I'm supposed to be okay with you not showing up in my relationship. I'm supposed to not get my needs met or not even not get my needs met. I'm supposed to, because it's my responsibility to meet my needs. I'm supposed to be okay and accept being at best, a second thought, a fourth, fifth, sixth thought. 
it's okay to want to be a priority. I think it's not okay to want to be someone's priority, like ultimate priority, but unless you're like a child or something like that. But I think, I think if you call someone friends, it's okay for you to think we are friends, friends. I know they have a life. I know they have, you know, shit, but I would like to think that if they know that a lot, you know, that people are dying and if they, you know, if they remember me, me or, you know, I, I would like to think that they would say hi. You know, it's, it's okay to have that standard, you know, and I, I guess I think this mental health shit has really, and I, like I said, I'm a big proponent. I support neurodivergent people. I myself have struggles with mental things. Mental, I don't like to call them illnesses, but orientations that are not functional, you know, natural, biochemical. I've, I have gone through it, but it's just like, because I've gone through it for in different ways and, you know, prior to having, you know, having my own practice, the practice that I have now or practice that I have now, because I have gone through it for a very long time. I realize, I, maybe I just have experience, I realize that it's not everybody's responsibility to play in this game with me and play in this language with me and the fuck? I think it's, I think this, you know, over-attentiveness to our own fragility is making us narcissistic and it's making us excuse the narcissism of others as well. It's it's because we because we want an excuse too. We are giving the pass for other people to be narcissistic, and that's not the spirit of therapy. <laughs> it's not. I mean, a lot, I, I kind of feel like the ben, I feel like we, and this is off topic and completely conjecture. So if y'all don't agree with me, fine. I'm actually, you know, working on having a website for you guys to charge me up when I'm wrong. So I'll let you guys know on that. That should be up in two weeks. But yeah, if you don't, I just feel like we're having a generational backlash to the hyper-masculinity of, you know, yesteryear, of like, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago. You're not something like, the stigma against fragility, the stigma against weakness. You're supposed to be strong and be able to weather your own things, blah, blah, blah. And that was unrealistic. That was a hyper, you know, an extreme view on what is, you know, strength. And now I think we're going equal and opposite. And I just worry about our well-being in that sense. Like, like no, like, yeah, you should. Yeah, we have weakness. Yeah, we have vulnerability. But that doesn't give you a pass for disregarding other people. And I mean, honestly, for me personally, there are people that I haven't spoken to. Obviously. But if there's someone that loved that loves me and that thinks that I love them and I have not reached out to them and I genuinely love them, but I have forgotten them or I have been narcissistic, I think I do owe them an apology. Like if they charged me up on it, I would apologize for that. I you know, I 
And if I remembered, I would be like, my bad for not reaching out. Like, these things aren't, like, I don't understand why these things are so complicated for most people. It's weird. But there was more that I want to get to, but I am running over time. So I want you all to just have a lovely week. Um, keep, keep it cute. Keep it safe. Keep it healthy. Eat good food. Live your best life.